Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, this past week, Jeannie and I did our annual trip to Flagstaff, Arizona, We go every year to strengthen and support the marriages of our church planting team out there. It has become actually a very important time for them, but also for us. And so while we're there, I thought arrogantly that I'd be able to write a sermon while I was doing that, and it was hanging over my head like an anvil. And then Pastor Young, my old friend, reached out and said, hey, do you need me on Sunday? I was like, yes. I didn't even hesitate. And he, he really stepped in at, at just the right time because he was in town for my niece's wedding yesterday. Pastor Young is someone I met when I was 17 years old. And I had just come to Christ the year before. But I was at that crossroads in new faith where I couldn't make up my mind if I wanted to keep staying with Jesus or go the other way and have fun. And I, I'm a guy, you know, I love fun. I love it so much. And uh, I just wanted to have a good time in college. And Pastor Young met me in the hallway of our residence hall, and he tried to lead me to Christ. I'm like, dude, I was the president of my youth group. (laughs) But that was a turning point in my college experience. I I would even look back and say that that encounter with Pastor Young probably more than anything else defined my college years. It was like I was going to teeter off the edge of a cliff, and he nudged me back on. And I'm so grateful that we've gotten to maintain our friendship over the years. Just so thankful that he decided to talk to me. And he's one of my oldest friends. I mean, how old am I now? I've known him since I was 17. And he's such a, a, God uses him so much. I'm so grateful he's here to bring the word. Can we invite him up with a warm welcome? Thank you, Bill. I think he's one of the best introduction person I've ever heard of. Like, wow. Uh, it's a privilege for me to be here with you. Uh, you know, as I was sitting here, uh, I saw Jen. I'm like, I know her. Uh, and I realized I do know her. Uh, I knew her a long time ago when she was here. Uh, and also, uh, when the band started singing Reckless Love, uh, which actually has been kind of uh, the song for this summer for me, I decided to switch my message. So I'm not going to be, I don't know if it's written there, I guess not. None of you guys seem to care. So uh, <laughs> instead of pre- preaching in Ephesians, we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 40 through 42, and probably we'll end with the reckless love as our closing worship. Uh, if you take notes, uh, the title of this message is Transforming Touch, and let me just read you this passage uh, from Mark chapter 10. Verse 40, it says, And a leopard came to Jesus, beseeching him, and and falling on his knees before him, and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion. Uh, This is in the NASB version. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. He is, uh, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Um, I'm sure not all of you know uh, who I am. Uh, I'm, my name is Young Kim. I, I actually pastor a church in the Philadelphia area. Grew up in the Chicago area, but left here after graduating uh, University of Illinois and been in Philly now for, I don't know, 
20, 30 years almost. Uh, planted our church about 24 years ago. I'm sorry, but I've converted. Uh, I am an Eagles fan. I know. Throw, throw potatoes and other stuff at me. Uh, I am a 76ers fan. I'm sorry. Uh, and I am not a hockey fan. So, Anyway, <clears throat> I want to talk to you today uh, about how Christ can incredibly touch your life. Uh, we meet this man, and he had a problem of leprosy. Uh, if you know anything about leprosy in the days of Christ, it was just a death disease. If you had leprosy, you were pretty much considered dead. In fact, in, in the Jewish writing, it says that you know if your son had leprosy, the mother would say, I don't have a son. He died. If your daughter had leprosy, uh, you would say, my daughter died. Uh, there's writings that talk about how when a leopard walks across your town and a wind blows, and that wind blows from the leopard towards your house, you, you should go to the main post of your house and wipe it down so that you don't get any of that disease. This man, uh, we don't know when he got this leprosy, but he was cursed. Uh, he was rejected. Uh, he had pain in his life, and he had isolation in his life. In fact, if you were a leopard, you were supposed to wear certain, uh, you know, almost like uh, loose clothing. And as you walked into a normal crowd of people, you were supposed to scream, unclean, unclean. Imagine if you came in and just said to everybody, you know, I'm an unclean person. I'm a person with a problem. You know, I'm different from you. And that's how he lived his life. His mother would have pretty much said he was dead. His father would have said, I don't have a son. He would have to come into any normal setting and declare that he's unclean. And if he didn't do that, it was right for people to stone him to death because he didn't acknowledge, you know, that he was a leopard. Well, we find this man, you know, we don't know how, but we find this man realizing, you know, there's somebody that can help me with this problem. There's a chance that this Jesus that I've heard about can come and help me. Sorry, I'm really sick right now, so I'm going to go into this high-pitched noise. Uh, (coughs) I don't know what happened. I was in California, and uh, we had a conference there, and I got sick and came here and... uh, don't like, usually I like to scream when I preach, but I still might scream. Um, so where was I? Yeah. Uh, so this, this man heard about Jesus, and he, and he comes to Christ. And we have to understand that he really broke all cultural norms because he did not cry out that he was unclean. Instead, it says that he ran to Jesus because he was desperate, and it fell on his knees, and then he started to ask Jesus for help. And in this encounter, we start discovering who Jesus is, who God is. And, you know, I want to tell you, I think that one of the foundational problems in our faith is not that we don't believe more or we don't have more courage. And all those things are needed. Uh, You know, we need to believe more. We need to have more courage. But I think one of the foundation is that we forget who our God is. We forget who Jesus is. And I, I want to tell you, this man encountered Jesus in a powerful, personal way. And I hope that as we look at what happened to him, this would be what happens to us. Because if you meet Jesus in this way, like this man, all right, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to leave the sanctuary the same. Something's going to change. When you encounter 
this radical love, this reckless love, this amazing love. When you encounter this Jesus, that this man who thought, there's nobody else who can understand me, there's nobody in this world that can understand my pain. If we encounter Jesus like this man, uh, our lives will be transformed. So he comes to Jesus, he gets on his knees, and it's an act of prayer and humility. And he says, if you are willing, he says, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says in this text, he says, I am willing. The first thing that I want to tell you is that the God that we trust in, the Jesus that we believe believe in, this God is willing to intervene and to help you. Right. Now, here's a simple picture. When you think about Jesus honestly, okay, really honestly, especially when you're going through a rough time, do you have a picture of a God who is like this, who says, I'm willing. In your pain, I want to come in. In your loneliness, I want to come in. In your struggle, I want to come in. There is a reckless love that you didn't earn that is chasing out. I am willing. Do you see a God whose arms are open like this, or do you see a picture of a God whose arms are like this, saying, what? You missed Sunday last Sunday. You didn't even go to the retreat. <laughs> are you a Christian? You know? Ooh, subliminal guilt there. Do you see a God like this? Or do you really see a God like this? I know we're at church and easily we can say, yeah, you know, I believe in a willing God, but if we're really honest, if we really go, especially in, in the times of our pain, I don't know if we really see a God as the Bible declares, who's constantly willing. He says he sent his son while we were yet sinners. All right? He sent his son while we were running away from him. He, he, from eternity past, his heart was running after us. Do we really see a willing God? Because I want to tell you, that's one of the problems our prayer life doesn't jump up. This is one of the problems that we don't seek after God. Because somewhere in our mind, we think there's a God who is like this, that says, you know what, uh, you got to work harder. You gotta be more holy. You know what? You gotta stop doing that bad stuff and you better be perfect or else I'm not willing. Right? Well, this man discovered that Jesus was willing. You know, uh, I really like what the father in the gospel said where he says, I believe when his son was having an epileptic or demon possessed problem, he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I, I love that statement. How this father had belief, but he still struggled with unbelief. What I, why I love that statement is that it's honest. It's, it's really honest. He says, you know what, Jesus, I believe. I believe you can help my son, but I have unbelief. Right? Maybe if you're honest in this room, that's where you are. You, know, you, you, you believe Jesus is willing. That's why you kind of came here. But you're not sure if he's willing to come. And rescue you to intervene into your life. Well, today I want to tell you, as this man discovered, Jesus is willing and he wants to intervene. Wherever you're struggling, God is willing to step into that and be part of that and be part of walking with you through that. Second, we find that here in verse 41, it says, Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Second, is it says that Jesus was moved with compassion, you know, with love. He saw this man who broke through the crowd, got on his knees and says, If you are willing. And Jesus didn't say, What if? Do you believe?
believer. Nah, what's up with you? He didn't, he didn't say anything, anything like that. Instead, he looked at this man and he had compassion. He had love. Right? His heart of love was full and was directed toward this man. It says that this man, Jesus was full of compassion for this man. You know, the Bible is very clear that one of the marks of those of us who believe in Jesus is this agape love of God. You know, that we, through Jesus Christ, can love the unlovable. We can love those who are different from us. You know, I'm almost sure if you were at this moment uh, of this situation, everybody else would have been moved to the side. Maybe some people would have gone and grabbed a, a stone because this leopard didn't declare he was unclean. He broke through the crowd you know, went to the holy man, knelt down. They could have all been in the, in the side going, this man deserves death. But instead of death, Jesus was pouring out his love. Instead of rejection, Jesus had compassion on this man. I, again, it's a simple question. Do you really believe, really, that there is an infinite, eternal, all-powerful God? He is holy. There is no sin in him. Yet, This God loves you. Really loves you. He loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son. He loved you so much what was the most valuable to Him, His Son. He Himself, He sent. So while we were lifting our fists to God, Jesus came to knock. In our heart to say, I come to tell you about a God that loves you. You know, a lot of times, I, I don't know, uh, you know, as you can tell, I'm Asian. Amen? And maybe if you grew up in an Asian family, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't always experience unconditional love. Except for the parents here in Harvest. Amen? <clears throat> and a lot of times, I don't know if it was like with you, but when I grew up in my Korean family, if I... If I did something wrong, my mom would review, like, you know, if I did something wrong in 1999, that's a long time ago, right? She would review up to 1996, like 90, no, 66, that's when I was born. Uh, you know, and she would go down the list, but the Bible says our God is a loving God, and he is a God who actually faces our inadequacies and even our sin. He comes to us with grace and with incredible love. You know, I love uh, this passage in uh, Luke chapter, you know, 15, uh, where, you know, the classic passage that even, you know, those who are outside of church knows somewhat about the prodigal son. And you guys all know this, uh, you know, parable. And, I, I, you know, anytime this parable, if it's done well in a, in a youth group skit or some kind of, you know, a mission skit, it's powerful. There's this moment where if it's done right, I get this lump in my throat and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I little tears about to come out because it, it is really the gospel. And he, we know about the son. He's a younger son. And he, you know, tells his dad and says, Dad, I want your inheritance. Now, there's a lot of things wrong with that because you only got your inheritance in the Jewish culture if your father died. So actually, when this son, younger son, this, excuse the word, punk, all right, came to the father and said, Hey, you know, uh, I want my inheritance. He was basically saying, God, you know, Dad, I wish you dead. 
Now, there's also something else wrong, and that is that usually the uh, older son got all the inheritance, and you know the younger one got the leftover. But the father divides the inheritance, gives this younger son the money. He, the Bible says he took it and went to a foreign land and used it in wild living. You know, and then this is where the high school kids go crazy with the wild living and you know, the drinking. And the... You ever see those skits? They do that part so well. You know, it looks like they've actually experienced it. You know what I'm saying? You know, the conversion part, they're like, like this. But when the kid is on wild living, the high school kids are really good at all the club scenes and the other things like that. <coughs> and then it says that he lost it all. He lost all his friends because his friends were really following his success of money. And then he was stuck in a, you know, a, a pig's pen. And finally, the Bible says he came to his senses. Came to his senses and he said, man, the servants in my father's house live better than me. Why am I here? I'm going to go back. And the whole time he's reviewing his repentance, he finally came to his senses. I'm not supposed to be living like this. I'm supposed to be living another way. He finally woke up and said, I'm going to go back home. And the Bible says he was rehearsing. Father, I have sinned. I, I don't deserve your love. I, I'm here to be your servant. You guys, you guys know the story, right? I'm just going to keep going, okay? And then what happens is, it says in, 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 uh, in, the, in the, uh, Luke, it says that the father, when the son was long ways away, he saw him. Now, to me, that's crazy. How do you know this son? Like, maybe like, maybe like half a mile. I don't know how far you can see. You know, and, and is it the way the son walked? You know, some kids, they walk weird, like, you know, or like, I don't know. But the father sees this, that's my son. By the way he walked, miles, I mean, it can't be miles, you can't see miles, far away, all right? Preachers exaggerate, so, you know, far away, right? And what's incredible is, you know, we, you know, as you kind of look at the parable, he must have been looking every day. Now, if you go into any youth group and they do the skit, the scene, the whole skit's like 10 minutes, like he's been away for 10 minutes. It could have been years. You know, I have a brother uh, who said he believed in youth group and in college he said he doesn't believe and it's been 30 years it could have been 30 years that this son was living in wild living five years anyway however long the father is looking sees his walk and then the bible says he ran to his son he ran now you have to understand, in the Jewish culture, it was stated that older men, because for dignity, you do not run. Okay, you're supposed to walk, no matter what happens, you know. You walk dignified, no matter what. In fact, it was said that even if the house was burning down, the father would walk out, fire. Everybody out, fire. You're going to all burn, Fire. Let's walk. Come on, let's go, everybody. Hurry. Because it was undignified for the father to run. All right? But it says the father who represented God ran. And when the son was about to repent, hugged him. And when this son couldn't even say the repentance, put a robe around him, kissed him. And restore the ring back on his hand. This is the love of God. No matter how far you run, he chases after you. There's no one perfect here. All of us are like the prodigal younger son, and I don't want to go into the older. That's a whole other section. 
A lot of times we think, man, God is so far away. I don't feel that love. I don't feel that grace. And I tell a lot of people, you know what? When you don't feel God, when you feel like you're so far from God, you know what you need to do? Turn around. Because if you know the Father's heart, when you have kids, you always worry about that kid that's causing trouble. Right? The one who is, and you're like, I don't know who he is. But the one who is causing you trouble, you're thinking about him, you're praying for him. And I'll tell you, if you are someone that you feel like, I'm causing God a lot of trouble. Are you here? Raise your hand. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Whoa, he raised his hand. No, I'm just... You know, I'm going to tell you right now, if you think you're far from God, as James says, God is near you. Because that's the Father's heart. He's looking for the son, the daughter, who feels so far from his grace and his love. He runs after him. He hugs him. He kisses him. He's not the Asian father who says, you know what, 1966 you were born, and ever since you were born you caused me a headache. You know, in the, around 70s you crashed my car. You know, around 80s you dated the wrong girl. And, okay, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Stuff like that, right? He doesn't, he doesn't say that. He is met with compassion. Do you believe God is a God of compassion. Now, Pastor Dave said, I can't preach too long, so I gotta, or else I'll keep going. In my church, I'm known to have preached two hours. Oh, you don't want to come to my church. But they laughed for the whole two hours, so they were like, I didn't know it. He is a God who is willing. His arms are not like this. His arms are like this. He is a God who is compassionate. He's not far from you. He is near you, and he stands at the door of your heart, and says, open your heart. I want to bless you. I want to forgive you. Turn around. But if he's just willing, and if he's just able, then he's like a really great, nice grandpa. Because you know, grandpa are, are always willing and able for the grandkids. You know? My dad and my mom, they never told me they loved me. But they tell my kids they love them all the time. <laughs> I'm like, how about me? They still don't say it to me, all right? And is God this grandpa? No, no. He is willing. He is compassionate, loving. But he's able. Because in the end, this man had a problem. He had a need. He didn't know what to do. He broke, risked his life, got on his knees. And he says, if you are willing, I'm not even sure. If you are willing, can you help me? Jesus said, I am willing. I have love for you. And then he touches him. And he says, be clean. Be cleansed. And this man was clean. Our God is a God who is able. He is a God who can change your life. Change your marriage. Change Iraq. He is a God who can raise the dead. Who can split the Red Sea. He is a God who resurrected from death to life. If we don't believe in a God that the Bible declares, then we don't really believe in the real Christ. He's an able God. And He can do miraculous things. He can heal marriages. He can bring the prodigal home. He can raise the dead. You know, I, I love missionaries uh, because sometimes, sometimes in America we're so practical. We're like, 
We think so logically, you know. Uh, it, it's funny because I just heard a testimony of a missionary who was in China for uh, 20 years, had four of their kids there, and they basically got chased out. I don't know if you know what's happening in China right now, but you know the persecution is getting really real, and they've been there 20 years, and you know they, they ended up being chased out, and they came back, and their two daughters were in a Christian school, and the teenage girl, they, they've lived in China their whole life, so they don't really know the American system, and then the teenage girl came and she was, so how's the house school, how's high school going here in America? And this teenage girl said, well, you know, in America, everything, I know you don't think this way, but if you've ever lived in another country, right, you know this, okay? Everything in America works perfectly. And when it doesn't, even when it goes out of perfection, even a little bit, all the girls go, oh my God. I mean, you know, I've been in other countries where they say, uh, you know, uh, the village is just right over there. That meant 13 hours of walking. (laughs) The train will come soon. That meant like three hours just standing there. And in America, so many things are, I know some of us feel like we have need, but so many things work so well, we don't really understand that we need to depend on God for everything. And that he could do miracles. You know, I, I really thank God because when I first started our church, Grace Covenant Church in Philadelphia, it was a college church. It still does a strong college ministry. <coughs> and uh, we had no money. We had no support. Uh, no one helping us. For the first three years of our church, uh, I had no finance back, uh, backing. And so I did, we just lived on my wife's uh, salary at the time. And then I would hear all these stories about, like, people getting, like, money, you know, for something. Like, you know, you know I don't know. Uh, I think Pastor Seth was here for the retreat. He actually started his church same time I did. And he would talk about all these, you know, people providing for things. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, as a fellow brother, I would say, amen. And then I would say, why not me? Well, why does he get stuff and I don't? And then I remember another good friend of mine said, oh, man, we didn't have these speakers. And this, this father donated $5,000, and we were able to buy two speakers and, and a keyboard. You know, back then things were cheaper and, and a few other things, so we can actually do it like a mini band for our new church plant. And I had nothing. And I remember I, I was saying, Lord, I know you love me as much as those guys, but uh, Lord, uh, you know, I, I, I depend on you. What can I say? Well, after I hear that and struggled a little bit with je- jealousy and envy, and repented, I think. Uh, it's weird. Like, I, I got this, uh, you know, uh, mail, and, I, you know, I opened it up. And when I opened it, there was a check. And the thing about it was, uh, I thought it was a $1,000 check because I'd never seen so many zeros. <laughs> but you're thinking it was a million. No, it wasn't a million. It was 10000 And someone just gave us $10,000, you know. And I, I remember when my friend got the 5000 I go, Lord, bless me with double. I should have said triple or something, you know. <laughs> Or quadruple, but... And you know, it is true. When, when our church was in severe need, and we didn't have the money, we didn't have what it, we didn't have what it takes, took, God provided. You know, we were the first a group that actually went into University of Penn and became organized and actually is using that campus as a uh, you know, place of worship. And the reason that it happened was there was a... 
a, a, a chaplain who I never knew actually fought for us, I heard, that said, hey, you know, we don't have a you know, religious facility and th- this group wants to worship on Sunday. Never happened in all of, you know, UPenn's history. And we were the first one that ended up worshiping. Now we're still there for 23 years. And, you know, I, I guess you can say that our church has grown because of the amazing sermon. Amen. <laughs> but if truth be told, it's not. It's because we are at an amazing location. Right? <laughs> These UPenn guys just have to walk off and walk, and walk 10 minutes. You know, and so I'm going to tell you, God is a God who is able, and he's able to provide right where you hurt. He's willing. His arms are like this. It's like this. He's compassionate. He's chasing after you with his love. If you turn around and repent, he's going to forgive you. He's able to do immeasurably more than what you ask or can imagine. But for me, as, you know, the next one is, is the most powerful. It says in verse 41, he was moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing and be cleansed. Uh, I need Pastor Dave for this. So, Pastor Dave, can you come up? I love this man. You know, when I was in college, I, I, I used to be really serious. So I used to hang out with them just to have fun. Because <laughs> I'm not really good at having fun. He knows how to have fun. Like, I was so stressed because of this one band that I was in. You know, this, this band, this crazy band. I used to hang out with him all summer, and I'm not all summer, for like a week. And he just made me laugh in the morning. I woke up. Praise the Lord for your gift. But, okay, you know, here's, here's this man with leprosy. Oh. <laughs> you know, if you look in the gospel, uh, Jesus healed people by just saying. Like, he was supposed to go to this centurion slave a centurion slave, and he, he, without going in, he said, he's healed, and the, the man was healed. Other time, Jesus did a weird thing. He actually spit in the guy's you know, uh, eyes or made mud. But in this, this text, Jesus comes, and he doesn't say, I'm willing, I love you, I'm able, you are healed. It says he came and touched them. And I don't know how he touched them. Maybe he touched them like this. Maybe he touched them like this. Maybe he said, love you, man. All right, you can go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he touched them, but the Bible says he touched them. And, you know, when we look at this text, we think, oh, man, God who's willing, God who's able, God who's loving. But I want to tell you, this man, one of the things that hit him the deepest was when a rabbi in high position physically touched him and said, you are cleansed. Because if you live this life, nobody touched him. Not his mom, not his dad, not his sibling, because he was unclean. He was rejected. But here, Jesus touches him and says, you are cleansed. He knew how to heal not only his body, but this man's soul. This is what's incredible about our God. Not only is he willing, not only is he chasing after you with his love, not only is he able, but he wants to touch you personally. This is what I believe, that there is a message of God for every one of you in this room. Isn't it incredible? Sometimes you hear the same text, the same message, the same songs, but you hear something personal for yourself. You ever hear a message and you feel like nobody else is here? 
I'm by myself. God is talking to me. This is our God. He's running after you. He wants to touch you. What if it's true? What if today God wants to tell you, I'm not rejecting you. I want to love you. No matter how far you are, come home. Come home. You think I'm unable, but I'm able. And I have a message for you. He has a message for you to touch you. Exactly the place that you need his presence. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.